With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Happy New Year, everybody. Our first show, 2024, and Iron Mike is in the house to help us understand the freight train whirlwind. Week 17, we just saw. And of course, look ahead to the final week of the regular season and decipher the crazy playoff mix. There are so many different permutations. We'll try and get you up to speed on all of it. And crucially, as we're doing that, get Iron Mike steer on which teams might buck a trend in the playoffs, might arrest a slide, will capitalize on the role that they're on, who's legit, who's not. We'll unpick it all with plenty of your questions from the Passyunk Avenue mailbag as well. Mike will pick his fave, of course, too. So all of that coming your way. Quick bit of housekeeping. What double, double bubble piece of housekeeping before we get down to business. Firstly, as we mentioned on last week's show, delighted to have been nominated for Best NFL Show in the Sports Podcast Awards. If you haven't, go and vote. You can vote. Our propose trying to rig it. I don't think he's having much success, so we need you. We need you, gang. So if you like our show, if we're your fave, go get involved and vote for us. It takes 30 seconds, tops, and we'd massively appreciate it. So that is that. And also our YouTube channel, uh, which plenty of you have subscribed to, plenty of you haven't. Go get on over to YouTube, the NC Show just as we are on social media, on other social media, on Twitter and co. The NC Show is how you subscribe to us on YouTube. Lots of video from the show sitting on that channel. And we're going to start to roll out additional bonus, fresh, new. You get the idea. Go subscribe. We'd appreciate that. Right, let's get down to it. Iron Mike's in the house. Let's go. Iron Mike, happy new year to you, my friend. First things first, let's just be okay. super clear before we get into it, because I'm worried that... Well, if there has been an incident, the authorities might rock up and yank you off air as we're recording the show. There isn't any footage of you throwing a drink over any of your guests at the New Year's, <laughs> New Year's Eve bash you were at, right? No, That's gonna emerge. But, but I'm not a hedge, I'm not a hedge fund billionaire. So, you know, <laughs> not not like, anymore. Not these days. I don't have unlimited privileges within the within the NFL. I mean, I, you know, you and I would not be the first ones to point out that what he did was a a, a straightforward, you know, detailed and violation of NFL policy. So if the player did it, he'd be <laughs> sure. suspended immediately. Immediately, you know, but, but Tep won't. Um, Do you know what it reminded me of, Mike? Have you ever seen the Will Ferrell, the Ron Burgundy ESPN screen test? It was like a little extra that he recorded uh, when he did his ESPN screen test. It's about a two-minute clip available on YouTube. Go find it. It's everything you'd expect. And of course, it all goes horribly wrong. 
And at the end of it, there's just this brilliant little thing that Farrell added where he runs back into the studio and just chucks the chair on the desk and, run, and runs out again. And it just reminded me of that, the way Tepper kind of looks over and just throws it and then scurries out of his box. It was genius. I didn't know he was trying to get a job at Sky. <laughs> what do you want? Burgundy. ESPN. It's like, it reminded me of when you and I were in um, Atlanta when they were playing Minnesota. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there was that, you know, we, we, we had the, our, our commentary position was like... Oh, New Orleans, outside. New Orleans. When we were in New Orleans. In New Orleans, sorry, yeah. And our commentary position was outside the... Um, the the boxes with the glass protection and stuff, and it was a really bad call on a kickoff return. And I was leading, I was leading the fans and chanting, so something, um, some something, um, you know, not not uh, the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah, it reminded me of that. You know, I, it's it's like if if a fan from another team had come along and I'd had a drink, I might well have please the crowd <laughs> <laughs> oh that's carlson inciting a riot in new orleans is still one of my they have a statue of the outside the, the superdome <laughs> they should be right up right near where that guy ripped you ripped you off that's where we'll that's where we'll put it all right listen carlson we've got a ton to get into we've got a real bumper past the uncovered mailbag as well so i'm very excited yep. about i that. tell you it, you give the people what they want and they really respond this is a very fair point it's a very fair point so we're going to get into as many of those as we can and of course i and mike will be picking his favorite which will win the lucky uh recipient will get a 25 pounds pass young cavenue voucher to spend which oh man you... what i could have done with that on new year's <laughs> that gets you at least one and a half beers i think for, by all <laughs> accounts so that's exciting so we'll get to all of that we'll kind of weave them in as we go along there's a huge uh, a huge amount to get into as i say and we're going to look a little bit back a little bit ahead we figure things were recording this a couple of days after after the action and what action it was let's start right at the top the two number one seeds locked in and We've got it. We have to start with the Ravens. And I don't want any more Lamar MVP. I don't want any MVP chat on this show. We're gonna I'm gonna throw that down right here. No more MVP chat. No but let's talk about the let's talk about these Ravens, Mike, because 49ers and Finns in back-to-back -back weeks, teams that are 23 and 9 combined this season, and they've taken them down by 51 points. It's so they haven't just taken them down, they've smashed them. What is clicking so well? right now for the Ravens. Break break down why this is such a cohesive and impressive unit on both sides of the ball. You know, I, I think um, I think what you've got is both sides of the ball clicking for similar reasons. And I think it boils down to the coordinators, um, Mike McDonald on, on defense and Todd Munkin on offense. And Munkin's offense has taken a while to really start rolling you know the early season they had a few troubles and and now they are rolling and there was a play in, in the zay the zay flowers long touchdown the 75 yard up say that's a miami dolphins play mm. they they basically they basically ran the dolphins offense against them Adam, just yeah. because it's kind of like just because we can you know and yeah. flowers has obviously made a huge difference to that team as a as a receiving team but as a result bateman i thought had a really good game yeah um you know and and uh isaiah likely obviously you know with mark andrews out has has come through with some big plays he made a great catch on um a really good pass by lamar lamar didn't have to run he only there was only what three interceptions in that game justice hill yeah was tearing them up um you know and i i thought keaton mitchell's loss would you know would have a bad effect on them but justice hill you know, really stepped up for big plays and Gus is Gus um, doing that hard work. Well, you just, you just run into a great point there. No pun fun. intended, just, just on that. You know, you've talked about two key protagonists that have gone down and we've seen with other teams, that's a significant problem. But the next man up has really, really delivered for Baltimore this year. Yeah, and, um, you know, and... Part of that is is the way is the way you scheme, you know, and part of it, full credit for the draft pick of Jay, Zay Flowers. I mean, that mm. was you know the right pick, right player for to fill that need. Um, but you know, they also, when you look at the defense, it's also a classic Baltimore thing. Roquan Smith accept, accepted, you know, and he had a, a really good game. Um, guys who they draft in the middle, low rounds, sign as undrafted free agents and develop. 
you know, to fit into their system. And a lot of those guys are blossoming now, you know, up front. They beat up Miami up front. And and yeah. in fairness, Miami, Miami's beaten up in a lot of ways themselves. They've had a lot of a lot of injuries and it got worse in this game as well. Um yeah. and to be fair, again to be fair, the game was close, you know, up to us up to the Zay Flowers. The Zay yeah. Flowers touchdown is followed by a pick, is followed by the likely Not touchdown, cool. yeah. and then Hill gets the big kickoff return on return, the other yeah, side. Yeah, which put it to bed. Because the, yeah. the game is pretty open. Like 21 there, points but, in about know. three minutes of play or something insane, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And that and that's a sign. But also we talked about this two weeks ago. I think I mentioned it. Um, you know, they only had seven third downs in this game. Mm. You know, and that the Canadian we you know, Canadian football, basically. If if you yeah. don't get to third down, it's a sign, you know, it's a sign that you're you're dominating the game. And um, you know, I, I just thought I just thought it was it was truly impressive performance. And as you said, following the road game. And I know we had a question in the Passian um mailbag about Denard Wilson, who is the defensive backs coach for the Ravens. Um, and somebody was asking, you know, would Philadelphia be better if he had been made defensive coordinator? Yeah, I've got it here. So this is uh, Owen. Hey, Owen. And uh, at the NC show, of course, is how you get in touch with us, gang. Any any uh, reputable social media <laughs> channel <laughs> is how you find us. Uh, what should the Eagles have done a defensive coordinator? We'll get into the Eagles defensive woes, of course. Once it was clear that Fangio wasn't available, issues on defense seem to stem from Denard Wilson being overlooked, says Owen. Yeah, and it's interesting because they fired Denard Wilson. You know, it wasn't that he went elsewhere. Mm. Um, and I was surprised at the time he didn't go to Arizona with Hannon. Um, and and that's another thing we can talk about that Arizona game. Um, oh yeah, and well, the Eagles obviously the, the they, Eagles they kind of fit in, they kind of fit in. But he's from Baltimore. He's from Hyattsville, outside Washington. But you mm. know that that's like walking distance, just about to to um, historic FedEx Field. Mm. And um, <laughs> you know, so so Baltimore was was a good fit. Was was a good. Um, what am I talking about? Because it feels <laughs> in FedEx field, but Baltimore's in Baltimore, but Baltimore was still a decent fit for him. And probably his family <laughs> is outside, the hot take. Yeah. You know, is probably outside um, Philadelphia. He was probably living somewhere outside Philadelphia. So maybe, you know, they could stay where they were and he could commute, whatever, for whatever reason, he's at Baltimore. It's a great fit. And Baltimore's yeah. defensive backs have done really well. Philadelphia's have not done really well. And, you know, and, and so I think that's a really good point about Wilson. He might well be a better pick for them on the side. And certainly Sean yeah. decide and do a whole lot to and Matt Patricia's been Which certainly awful. isn't. Well, look, we'll get to Philly in a minute. Just on Baltimore, because you, you just touched on a really good point that there was a lot of talk on the Finns side, obviously Bradley Chubb injured in the game and desperately sad news for him and for the Finns. He's out now with, with the 20 ACL for the season. That is a huge loss. So they're leading Russia, of course, uh, leading sack exponent. The um, offensive side of the ball, they were short stacked as well with no Jalen Waddle. But then you can counter that with the injuries that Baltimore had in the secondary, right? I mean, they, Carlton, there was no Carl Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Humphrey yeah. got banged up in the game as well. So they were kind of even, yeah. even out there. Do you think Talking of the trajectory of the game and that is that wild passage you referenced, Iron Mike, with the couple of touchdowns before the end of the first half and then the return at the start of the, the second. If Tyreek had caught the touchdown early doors, if he hadn't yeah. fumbled it through the back of the end zone, do you think it might have been a different if the Dolphins had been able to keep it tight going into the half? Sure. Do you think it would have sure? Yeah, it, it could, have have, could well could well have been. I mean, that was that was crucial. Um, you know, and it, he didn't even fumble it, you know, it's just strange, he took, isn't it? Yeah. He took the extra. He had to double catch it, basically. And the sec the second catch was uh, was at outside the end zone. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that was that was a crucial play, you know, because you expect your big players to make plays. I mean, this is like the simple the simple rules of football, you know. Great players make plays. That's you know that's what does it. And if, if they don't, um, you lose. But they needed that, and they needed Hills. Waddle's a big Waddle's a big loss because it yeah. makes it harder, you know. You, if you when you double team Hill, which almost everybody has to do, Waddle gets a lot of space to perform, and and they don't have another Waddle obviously um, to to replace him. But you know, like you said, everybody gets injuries. I mean, you know, certain teams have you know been crippled by injury. Um, 
and uh, yeah, they played through it. Um, even terrible teams like New England, you know, their two best defensive players went out yep. in week two or whatever. Yep. And, and then there's been a, a whole series of injuries and Jack Jones um, going to the airport with guns and that kind of stuff. Um, so, that, yeah. That really um, helps. So they're on Miami there. Let's, let's, because we're, we're going to zip them, around but, a bit. But yeah, they it's got, interesting. They, they could they could wind up with a with a kind of difficult first game. Yeah, let's let's frame what's happening with them because of of Buffalo being on this tear as well. Five and one, incidentally, the Bills since they jettisoned Ken Dorsey. So what does that tell you about? Because at the time we were scratching our heads, saying, "Well, is this just a bit of a sacrificial lamb move from the Bills?" But actually, will it turn out to be? A, a particularly shrewd move, or is it just coincidental? Well, They've got stuff. The, to the evidence, out? the evidence of this week would suggest that it's less, it's it's less Joe Brady, um, who, if you remember at the back at the start of the year, I was saying that New England ought to hire him as a quarterbacks coach, yeah, um, because they need some new blood. Basically, you know, O'Brien's going to be the coordinator, and he brought his own guy along, but they need someone from outside the the Belichick cocoon, just to you know be a dissenting voice or a, or an extra voice. But I think the bigger thing has been Sean McDermott taking over the defense um, and their defense has played much better um, as a result. And I, mm. I thought, I mean, as has been their want all season long, New England handed Miami uh, Buffalo that game. I don't think Buffalo deserved to win that game. Mm. Um, their offense was horrible. Uh, you know, and but if but if you know Brady Zappi's going to throw Bailey Zappi's going to throw three interceptions and yeah, New England had like Farrell, seven turnovers Farrell, in the first four minutes of the game. Yeah, Farrell Brown's going to hand the ball, oh, hand the ball Farrell, over on a Farrell. fumble. Did you see you the, know, Did you see yeah. the footage where Farrell fumbled it? And it got to, did you see it when it got to Belichick? It was the just the perfect <laughs> example of you don't need any words here. Just the, the look on his face, the timing of him just turning away from what he just. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like. I'm going to lose my job because of this, you know, <laughs> yeah. this guy, you know, it's oh, like, oh, come on guys, God. I do this for a living, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think, <laughs> I think the, the pendulum is go, is sort of going to swing back to Bel Belichick. And, and I wonder if it is, you know, it's a really difficult argument, but it's like everyone's saying, oh, he's got to stop coaching. He should be the GM. I think. He's a better he's coach than he is a GM. If he's if he's guilty of anything, it's stubbornness, mm. um, and stubbornness that he can get it done his way, you know. And and I think that's put him in a bind, you know. And someone like me, who is no Bill Belichick, but you know, if you're going to pay Malik Cunningham a big bonus for an undrafted guy to sign, mm. you need to use him at some point and see what he can do. Yeah, and you know the third string guy is Nathan Rourke. They got you know, the last year's most outstanding Canadian player in the CFL, and um, Jacksonville signed him, and he, they took him off that practice squad. You know, just just see what he can do. I mean, I know I know it's kind of far fetched and all, but you know, you know what Bradley ba Bailey Zappi can and can't do. You know what Mac Jones can and can't do. Zappi's made a lot of mistakes, but at least he kind of keeps focus in the game. Mm. You know. They lost. They lost. What twenty seven, twenty one? Yeah, it was twenty eighteen. A couple, um, yeah. a couple of couple so anyway, of on this. Yeah. So, but, but, but Buffalo is still going to be a hard game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So let's let's talk about this. So the AFC East will come down to this game in Miami, and it was interesting. For only a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about well, Miami might not play their starters in this game because 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 now everything's on the line from there's still an outside chance incidentally the bills can't make the play won't make the playoffs right it it's unlikely but it's possible if they, if they lose if they lose it's possible i think but it's it's um it's it's a lot of other things gotta happen um, but they could finish as high yeah, so, as the number two so seed say, as well, say buffalo wins yeah if yeah. buffalo wins and goes to the second seed yeah. as the division champions, then Miami drops probably to the sixth seed. I think I haven't worked out, you know, where, where it stands on tiebreakers. Yeah. Um, which would, which would then, um, which would then put them against Kansas city. Yeah. And that would Fair be an ahead. interesting matchup. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a, that's a definite possible upset. Let's talk about this resurgent bills. Incidentally, I Mike, as you were talking about Belichick, you've stumbled across the perfect name for Jack Del Rio's VIP room at Del Rio's bar. We're going to call it Belichick's Cocoon. I love, I love it. That's what, that's what we're calling it at Del Rio's, uh, which is where I was at New Year's Eve. No, um, yeah. Did Jack give you your own leather jacket? Jack did, with a little NC, <laughs> NC embroidered on there. Um, the Bills are 
obviously dreading in the right direction. And dis- despite, as you said, the challenges they had offensively in um, against the Patriots. But nevertheless, they are building this, your favorite word, building this momentum going into the plus. If they if they take down the Finns and end up with a relatively high seed, how deep can, how deep can they go? Do you think Buffalo be are, are they going to get found out the deficiencies? Obviously, defensively, they've had a lot of injuries and that's been a problem for them for a lot of the season. The offensive concerns that you've outlined is that is that like to get found out or do you think particularly offensively there's enough talent for it to come together on you know on any given Sunday the right time right place they could be a dangerous there's, out there's talent but everything for them depends on Josh Allen making big plays right you know and 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 that means primarily with his feet now um mm. they couldn't run the ball against New England New Zealand is a tough team to run on they're they're strong up front they're big um Barmore's been really good uh, you know, God show is good. They, um, so, you know, when they play someone like Baltimore, that's going to be a problem. Miami, I think less so of a problem. So that that's a difficulty there. And Miami is to an extent, what happened when they, when they, when they went behind against Baltimore is, is the um, Shanahan factor. They're, they're not a great team to play from behind like because they're such a play. Yeah, they're such a play action oriented team. And yeah, I wish Achan would change his name to A Chain. Yeah, I call him that anyway. (laughs) Take the A Chain, you know. Oh, I mean, from day one, we were on that. He had he made some big plays in that game. You know, he's he's a real talent. Um, But they had no Mostert, of course. Mostert wasn't playing either, so they were they were banged up. But on on the Bills and and in particular offensively, I just want to key in a bit because they they're an intriguing side to me. Let's talk Stefan Diggs. What's going on there? Why is Diggs falling off a cliff? Partly, partly Allen having to throw on the move, partly that I, it's almost like you can single cover Dave, Gabe Davis and not worry too much. Yeah. Um, they should be able to generate more now that Dawson Knox is back. Um, you know, Knox and uh, Kincaid both ought to be able to do that. Kincaid had a nice catch against the Patriots on that long catch, catch and run. Um but that hasn't that hasn't clicked really, uh, and that's why I, that's why I hesitate to say that the offensive coordinator has made a difference right. because you know I mean yes they're they're playing with some backups and stuff but still that there's so much firepower there on paper mm. you know and I think the line too is not generating enough for them I think you know that they've gotten by not that it's a bad line but it's never been a you know top flight, an Eagles-Lions kind of level offensive line, Dallas, to some extent. Um, yeah. And um, it, that that's starting to show, I think, uh, that it's not, you know. Um, and I've been a big Mitch Morse fan for years, but, you know, when you, if your center is your best line, then it's, mm. you know, apologies to everybody in Philadelphia, but, you know, <laughs> there's more you've got to do. And and that would bring us to the Chiefs and their O-line, too, because I need to apologize to Joe Tooney for saying I thought he was getting a bit slow, because what happened, I thought, with the Chiefs this week was they went, we knew they had to go back to a simpler offense and not wait for Mahomes to make the, all the big plays. Mm. And the offense wasn't quite clicking, but they were running the ball inside a lot with Pacheco. Yeah, you know, what a and, play he and, is. Can we just and, and, celebrate Pacheco yeah. for a minute? What I mean, yeah. I, and I think he could be a real X factor in going into uh, into the playoffs, right? Because he it feels yeah. like well, there were a few, you know, the few of the big names stepped up this time around for them, and and again, it's the same kind of question I think we've asked a number of times in in recent weeks, understandably, given how abject they've been offensively. But this sense of are they one of these teams that will splutter and stumble and roll in in underwhelmingly into the playoffs that way, but they can sync it up at the right time. And you get the feeling, well, we keep flip-flopping on the Chiefs and whether they can or not. Last week we were saying, no, that they look done. They look, there's no way around. Based on what you saw this time around and with the line improving, do you think maybe they, they can start to flex come, come postseason? Well, it wasn't that the line improved. I think it was it was that they started doing things that brought out the strengths more. Okay. Um, and and those the middle three played a really good game. They they, they went quite old of, school, didn't they? They went quite old school. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of you know center guard doubling and Tooney 
pulling and blocking, trapping sort of, you know, not, not quite inside zone, but, but almost the same sort of thing. And, you know, not depending on the two tackles who have not been good. Um, and that's where the problem is. And they, they need the tackles to be good if they're going to make big plays downfield. And Mahomes tries to make big plays downfield. And even when he gets the passes away to the receivers, it's 50-50 whether anyone's going to catch it, <laughs> sure. you know, without dropping it. So so this way, Rashi Weiss's big play, Rashi <laughs> That's a tough one. That's like a little. It's you like way wise there. It's one of those little, those little uh, tongue you twisters. Way Rashi, wise. Yeah, Rashi, Rashi Rice. Um, catch. You know his best plays were were secondary, uh, not deep, not not deep balls, but yeah. secondary balls with yards after the catch. And he got exactly um, got the Jets rolling. You know, and that I think. Well, the Jets are awful, but um, <laughs> but that that um. That uh, you know is a key for them. They have to they have to turn into a team that can complete long drives, and they're only halfway there. Last week it yeah. was field goals. They, they had to settle for field goals, but you know, but um, Dick Butkus was in a Harrison Butkus was in a you know <laughs> kick and mode, and and so they that worked for them. And their defense was was playing better because with the lead, they need to be in the lead so that the defense can tee off on pass rush. Cause yeah. you know, otherwise the key to beating them is, is running, is running the ball against them basically. Yeah. And Cincinnati can't run the ball against you. So that was, you know. So the chiefs currently sit in the, in the three spot and they've got, um, they got the charges final week of the season, haven't they? So that's a decent, Boy, decent that's a enough spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the Chargers looked like a team where everyone who could had already taken a boat out of town. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, that's a, a a messy situation. But on that, I mean, out of the the vacancies we know about for sure, and then the one or two potential. Uh, well, I think we can include Washington in there. I think it's pretty clear that Rivera's gone. What's the most appealing landing? Juan Rivera. Juan Rivera. What's the most appealing landing spot for you? If you're a if you're if you're hardball and you're thinking I'm I want to have another roll of the dice in the NFL, where? What, which is the best gig right now? Is it is it you've got Carolina, obviously, you've got the Raiders? Come on. Yeah, I've got Life of Brian running through my head. Juan Wavella? Juan Wavella. You knew Juan Wavella? Um, what's the best gig? Yeah. I think the Chargers is overrated. The Chargers is, is a rebuild kind of gig, you know, almost start over. And the question is, you know, how do you build around Justin Herbert now that you're going to have to pay him? Yeah, it's not as it's not as simple as everybody thinks. So everyone's going to want to coach the Chargers because they've got Justin A. Bear, you know. Mm. But there's there's a problem that comes along with that. In mm. that he's going all of a sudden going to start taking a lot of your salary cap. Williams and and Eckler. Well, Eckler got a bigger deal, but not. But Williams and um, yeah, Williams and Keenan Allen take up a lot of of cap room already. They gave a couple of linemen big big contracts and um you know that that's good that's that's a real repair job i think um and the other the other jobs i mean you know there's been strange votes of confidence for um arthur smith and salah i think for mike vrabel um vrabel and salah i can i can i can agree with but arthur smith's that's a curious one it's a very curious one you know it's like in one sense, you could you could say he's co- he coaches them pretty well. To a, a, on the other hand, you say, well, with what he's got, why is he coaching that way? That should yeah, be a sure. team that could that can play that can play a whole lot better. So, I guess is he getting a pass? Is he getting a pass because gonna... of the quarterback situation? I mean, is that the is that the straightforward thing you can say? Well, well, that's part of it. That's part of it. I think he does. They don't know, you know, what's going on, and they thought Ritter would be the answer, yeah. but I think Ritter is also held back by the by the nature of the the nature of the offense um and you know i don't know as there will be that many other openings you know you can make an argument for staying with eberflus you can make an argument for staying with dennis allen um you know todd bowles um you know with what he's done in in tampa would would be right to you know to um to fire him pete carroll might retire but I don't see it unless, you know, unless it's kind of like a forced retirement. And then yeah, there's, of yeah. course, there's Belichick. And Belichick, I think, would much rather take over Washington if he were to, if you were to offer him another job than, um, 
than uh, the Chargers. What's your gut feel on Belichick, Mike? Do you think if you had I think to he call stays. it, he stays in, I think in he, I think he's back next year, yeah. yeah. That would be okay. my gut feeling. I, oh, don't I, think, probably... I don't think Kraft wants the difficulty of trying to get rid of him while he's got a year on his contract. Yeah, okay. So let's play it you out. You don't want to be the, the owner who, tra- who traded the greatest coach in NFL history for yeah. a first-round draft pick who turned into some someone who flops. Mm. And it will come back. It will, it, it, it never to be come back to haunt him if he does, and he carries on coaching the NFL, which we expect him to because he wants to go after that that record. I mean, we promised, we suggested we'd be zipping around, and we are going to do that because he talked about the Bears with Eberfus, by association. The Bears locking down the number one overall pick in the – 24 draft, of course, by virtue of, of having that pick from Carolina and Carolina um, taking care of business, yeah, so to speak. That was, that was their smartest move. But mm. here's the question. Ask yourself whether you would rather have DJ Moore or Bryce Young. Mm. And I know this is a short-term answer, right? Um, that's based on this season. DJ Moore has outperformed Bryce Young. And Bryce Young presumably will get better, you know, as he matures into into the NFL, but given that you also have the draft picks, which yeah. Chicago so far has gotten pretty good value out of, you know, do you just how do you justify that trade? It's a great question, a and, rookie, and actually a rookie quarterback. Yeah. So the question, Mike, the Bears have here, I guess, is was well, do they go? Are they back in Fields or not? If if they, Fields is their guy, or at least they think he's good enough. Uh, and they can then leverage the draft capital they've got, assuming they will deal down and pick up a lot of other picks as a result. The, the outside chances they take Harrison number one, but that's probably unlikely, right? So what do you think they do? Do you think Fields has shown enough in this particular context for them to think he's good enough right now to back for a, a while? Obviously a contract I, situation. I, I, think mm. I think they stick with him. I think they stick with him because um, because as you say, there's too much invested in, in him. Um, the problem becomes when they have to pay him and, you know, he'll want to be paid like all the other top quarterbacks, but he needs to really establish himself as being that. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, he's, he's, he's on and off and, and you need consistency. I mean, he was great last week, but that's against Atlanta, you know, and they, they basically um, his passing was really good, but he, um, he also ran the ball, you know, when he had to, but the, but Herbert was doing the running and then they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop him. And I think they've got, you know, more pressing needs. They would be a team where a receiver would be a good bet. And they probably didn't want to trade down too far um, and risk and risk losing a shot. But there are lots of good receivers out there, yeah. you know, every, every year. And, and the best ones don't necessarily come from the, the top pick in the draft. The other thing they could do is, is look to upgrade the um, the defensive line. Um, mm. You know, it never hurts. So you build a team from the inside out, but nobody ever remembers that when you mm. – um, partly because off the line is the most skill position there is. It's, it's the one – which tends to have the guys with the least natural ability, athletic ability, who then have to be coached into great. It's a, it's a question of technique. Yeah. Um, you know, the guys with the great athletic ability, that size all go and play defense. So you can get the sacks and you can do that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What, you're, what you're left with really there are the guys who, who can be coached into being really good linemen. Um, yeah. You know, much, much, much to the credit of some of the great offensive line coaches. I think it's, it's one of it's it's almost like the third coordinator kind of you know yeah it's a great point um okay so i'm going to stay on the passing out mailbag to go back to philly right because we touched on them earlier on and unsurprisingly there's a lot of lot of traction in the mailbag about philly so derek hannon for example sums up pretty well what the hell's going on with the eagles owen what should the eagles have done at defensive corner that was the, the one we mentioned earlier so d- the defense obviously is the thing that is really really falling apart here they are um they are just hemorrhaging yards, hemorrhaging scores. Liam, uh, what's happened to the Eagles' form? Are they in playoff preservation or is it bad play calling? How will they do in the playoffs? So a lot of things to unpick there. Let's start with why the defense is so bad. So uncharacteristically bad right now for for Philly. Why are teams finding it so easy against them, Mike? They look tired to me. And I think part of it is that they were always based on rotation on the up front. And good as Jalen Carter is, he's he he obviously looks tired. Mm. Um, you know, and and I think Davis probably is is very tired as well. 
um, the game calling thing with Patricia late in the game, he's been awful. He, he, their defense late in games has been based on pass rush. Um, to when you know the other team's going to pass to to try to catch up or whatever, and and Patricia's all of a sudden starts playing deep, playing back in zone, and and you know trying to trying to stop that way, and it doesn't it that's not break. Yeah, yeah, I notice. You know, they let Derek Barnett go. Yeah, um, you know, who was a rotational defensive end for them, and and you know, a, aging in football terms and having a fairly big contract, but he had, he had a couple of sacks for Houston um, this week being used in that yeah. same kind of rotational. Um, they, so I think that's one of the big things. Their, their secondary's got problems. They're playing a lot of rookies or, or set, uh, like undrafted second year guys. Mm. Um, and you could see, I think I don't, and I don't think it was coincidence that, you know, but, but I think Jonathan Hannon knew them well enough to know who to go after late in mm. the game. And they were going after. Um, That's interesting um, theory, yeah. The, uh, but the ground game as well. The run team, Mike, the twenty-one yards they gave up against the cars. They just they're just getting torn apart on the ground as well. I mean, it just yeah. feels like. So how do they fix this? It's that's the, that's the front. Well, how do you fix it? You you, you bring you're going to have to have more rotational linemen, I think. Plus, yeah. they've had injuries at linebacker, and that's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. For them, yeah. Too, you know, because they it's two new linebackers again, um, and then they got in, injured with the new guys. So I think I think that hurts them as well. But they're you know they're not as strong a team defensively as they were. Obviously, they're playing a much tougher schedule. Yeah, um, and the Cardinals can run the ball. They've done this against a couple of good teams, you know, and and either come close, you know. Yeah, um, they did it to the Niners um, in the game. The Niners won, but but had a lot of trouble um, with it. So it's interesting because um, this this week they're playing Seattle, and and it's a win, you know, must win game for Seattle, obviously, and it's in Arizona, and I think that's going to be a difficult game uh, for the Seahawks. Yeah, so let's look at that. The East. Um, so, Mike, but Philly have got you talk about who are you talk about there, Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see. Sorry, Arizona's yeah, yeah. at home to Seattle. Philly's in uh, Philly's in Jersey for the for the Giants because the East it's up for grabs with Dallas. Uh, we've got to get into the the Dallas Detroit game, of course. Dallas have Washington in Washington. That's the one we've been waiting for. And Philly have. Philly have the Giants, and so it's uh, it's win or bust for Philly, really. Well, not quite bust, but certainly if they drop it, Dallas, who own the tiebreaker over Philly, of course, um, can sneak in the inside rail and take the NFC East crown. So here is a situation where a couple of weeks ago, the Eagles were very much at the races for the number one seed, uh, Mike. Now they could drop yeah. way down. I mean, they're falling apart. Dallas, on the other hand... They well, that's suddenly well, it's, right in the middle. It's interesting because the five seed will play Tampa or whoever else wins the NFC South. Yeah, um, Which, and that's right coming down now. to the wire as well, of course. Yeah, they're they're in an in, winning in situation, and they're playing yeah. Carolina. So you would think they would sort of be the the favorites there. The and, Saints um, still have a shot there, don't they? So yeah, it's winning in if yeah, Tampa yeah. Tampa control their destiny, and uh, as you yeah. say, they're at Carolina and, and, and New Orleans host the Falcons. That's right. And and they need if Tampa lose, they need to beat the Falcons. Um, right. To get in. Green Bay is in a win and in for this for the seventh seed. Yep. So that means that the two seed Dallas could be playing Green Bay and Philadelphia would be playing playing Tampa Bay. And I'm not sure I'd rather be playing, <laughs> playing Green Bay than Tampa. Um, yeah. The way he loves Tampa, playing. Yeah. It's yeah, Tampa's tough defensively, but they're one-dimensionally one-dimensional offense. And if you can close down Mike Evans, you've got a really mm. good chance of beating them. Well, we saw. I mean, and Propo and I, because the over in that game was Propo's Drew Lock of the week over on Edge Rush, and we discussed over. Yeah, the Pro yeah, over forty. Oh my god, Propo. Yeah, um, I like the over as well for what for what it's worth. But we discussed the inevitable Baker capitulation after four games. On a tear, it was bound. It was bound to happen that Baker yeah. was going to have that kind of game. I didn't have to do a lock of the week this past week because we. Why didn't, not? I didn't, didn't have, have my other show. Oh, okay. And um, but it would have been Cleveland giving mm. the points on third. But but the, one of the guys I do was a Cleveland fan, so he would have probably wanted to take that. Mm. And the other two were New Orleans, Tampa, and Tennessee, Houston, all on un mm. both under. And I thought that was those. 
I was all three. You know, I was on a hot week. I good week for uh, team guest. If you say so, you say so. Like I said on Twitter or on X yesterday, I'm just making it fair for the final week. I'm making yeah. it excited. That's what sounds it great. My four games. That sounds my good. That sounds week. good. Man. The um, that sounds good. Thanks, man. But Dallas yeah. is yeah. Dallas is a conundrum. Dallas is kind of as I've been saying the Miami of the the yep. NFC. But um, you know they. That game with Detroit, I thought, was a really even game, and a, and a tie would have been a fair finish. Mm. And if we're speaking like in English terms, you know, a, a fair result. Um, but I also believe that it was not solely Dan Campbell's Paleolithic ego that <laughs> kept them going for it. I think he was convinced that there was no point in his playing overtime. That he had more yeah, to lose. Yeah, I, I completely playing, agree. It was playing such a, good a full period overtime. So such a good point. You know, I think he, he said to the team, "We're going to win this game, or, or we'll lose it." You know. Yeah. And, and based on that, he didn't see any reason to take the team. The interesting thing is, they're basically like, that's locked a, they, into that. Well, they are, but this is where I get this is where it gets interesting because we didn't see Philly dropping the game to Arizona, right? It was a right. kind of free hit game. They're locked in. They've got their playoff spot sorted. So I get that, and I, I get uh, and uh, understand if not necessarily always agree with the the aggressive play calling from from Campbell but in that context it made a huge amount of sense and that's a great point you make because I hadn't considered I think anyone's really made that point about about the overtime no everybody's uh, been saying oh you know he should have kicked the extra point and go to overtime yeah, but yeah. they're all people who are worried about their fantasy teams or their bets and yeah, you know yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah, slow sure. down a minute oh, definitely one of the latter into football context you know you can blame you can blame him for not taking the field goal early in the game yeah, which which would have obviated the whole situation at, at the end. But again, when you say those kind of things, you don't know how the game flows with a different situation. You know, if Dallas Dallas got the big touchdown to CD Lamb off, that, yeah, you know, off that, you don't know if that, you know, how that how that that flows. But if he took the three, which I probably would have done at that point, yeah, um, I would. But you know, I understand. He's Dan Campbell, and and he and didn't. also and the, and the and he, to your point, you know the the book, what the 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 sabermetrics guys are saying, the data guys are, are saying, it doesn't factor in context and specific like specific context of uh, of the personnel, the the flow of that game, the situation that Detroit are in, having locked down a playoff spot, but not a huge amount riding necessarily. Although it has become interesting given the Philly loss. That there yeah. may be more riding on it than than the Lions that yeah, came before. Again, to, to be honest, I mean, unless you want to dodge the Rams, who are basically locked into the sixth seed. Yeah. Um, there's no real. He's not going to get the top seed. He knows that. So there's not really a reason for him to fight for number two. You know, maybe maybe he doesn't want to play that. I mean, the Rams. We want play the Rams because it's going to be the Jared Goff revenge game. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> sure. it's, it's, it's like, that's going to be, that's going to be great. Matt Stafford comes home, you know, against, yeah, yeah, yeah. against, right. against the right. Lions, but you know, and then we, you had some great questions about um, the best. I think the best one was if, if a tree falls in the forest and Brad Allen is there, yeah, that's it. for political football. Yeah. If a tree falls in a forest, an NFL official, Brad Allen is there to hear it. Does it make his sound? Well, yeah, let's <laughs> break it down for us, Mike. What was your read of yeah. it? What, what happened there is the Lions had a designed play for this. And the essence of the designed play was to run a tackle eligible with Decker, but to make it look to the Cowboys as if Skipper were the eligible tackle yeah so what happens is and you can see the replays you can see um you can see goth telling decker to report you know in the, so decker and sewell both go to report to allen and sewell seems to be there to sort of shade allen so that the other so that the can't defense see can't see what's going on but <laughs> yeah. decker clearly reports to him he yeah. even it's a back the only shot you have is a back shot but he's clearly pointing to his number you know, yeah. gesturing to his number. And then Skipper, who's been coming in as an eligible tackle, I think three times during the game, he comes trotting in and he comes into the conflab, but he doesn't actually report. He just, and Allen is, this is Zap Ruder film stuff. Allen is looking at his watch to see, you know, when he's got to blow the whistle to start the play. And he get he looks up and I think what happens is he hears Decker and he's, he's Skipper. <laughs> and so he goes over and tells Dallas that, that Skipper is eligible and the, mm. the PA. And again, people who don't understand football 
think, well, why didn't they listen to the PA? Because they don't listen to the PA. Mm. It's it's white noise. Yeah, they're, sure. not, they're not they're not listening to, you know, a series of commercials and, and you know, yeah, whatever yeah. else, whatever other hype is going on. But Mike, the other um, aspect so, of this, just to just to kind of explain for, for some of the listeners that maybe don't understand the the fine minor points in terms of how it plays out with coaching officials. Campbell was particularly frustrated because he'd spoken to them before the game, right? Yeah. So there's that yeah. whole. And apparently, Allen wasn't in that meeting. That's also because I'm sure what he did was going to say, "Look, we we've got a we've got an extra point play, or we've got a, a short yardage play where we're going to make a tackle. We're going to try to make it look like it's another tackle who's eligible. So you know, so you guys have to understand that, you know. And and Allen wasn't there, and Allen didn't understand it. Yeah. So. They do everything right. You know, again, people are whining that Decker was covered or what he wasn't. You know, he was he was the last man on the line. The the wing, the wing back steps back to make sure he is. Skipper's not eligible, which means, you know, why would they run and bring him in eligible if he's not? And and it works. But in Dallas's defense, or you know, Allen, you can't you can't give them that because Allen has told them the wrong guy is eligible. So that means the play has to be negative nullified. Mm. What they should have done was not give them, given them a penalty and just rerun the play, mm. you know, but obviously now the play is, you can't rerun it because they know, they know what's happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to be, penal, to be penalized on that was, was, was the wrong thing because what it is, and Allen doubled down on it by giving the wrong explanation after the game, you know, his mistake. It was his mistake, his inattention to what yeah. was going on yeah. that, caught, that caused it. So, you know, I, I I feel sorry for them, but I understand why Campbell was angry. And I understand why he didn't bother to kick an extra point anyway, because mm. I don't think he ever intended to take the game to overtime. Yeah, uh, uh, interesting. So just on drawing a line on the Dallas win and what this means, I, I take your point, and it's a good one. Again, I don't think it's one that's made enough when you look at the playoff shakedown you think ah, bucks pack rams much of a muchness but w- home field advantage for dallas is particularly important isn't it when you look at statistically yes and p- in terms of performance this season just how different they are um obviously most teams are some teams oddly are stronger on the road but most teams of course are, are better at home but dallas is so much better at home than they are away so this could be really significant as far as as far as their playoff yeah. ambition is concerned yeah absolutely i mean you know it, they're the one who the ones who are helped and brad allen's reputation is as a homer anyway you mm. know he's one of the guys who gives the highest percentage of calls to the home team um, and your your NFL conspiracy guys would be saying, well, you know, the NFL wants Dallas to go a long way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's, you know, making sure. But I think that's one step one step beyond. I think it was it was simply a referee not paying enough attention to what what was going on. And I don't think Dan Campbell cares whether he plays Dallas at home or on the road again. I don't think he cares much about that at, at all because you, you just have to be you have to do what you're you have to do what you're given. You have to take what you're given and. And, and roll with that. Um, yeah, and I think it actually might might play into the Lions' hands a bit, given the, the way the team is built. And, oh yeah, and and the mindset. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he'll channel that for all it's worth. So, uh, um, it might... one 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 prediction I don't think is going to go wrong. If Detroit play Dallas in the playoffs, Brad Allen will not be the referee. <laughs> yeah, my God, if Brad Allen's referee, he makes a bad call. Oh, heaven help him! Uh, you would not want Dan Campbell running at you at fifty miles an hour. The um. <laughs> The, I want to talk uh, quickly because time is we're rattling through and there's some other questions from the mailbag I want to get into. But just staying in the playoff picture, one more division I sure. want to look into. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Is the AFC South, right? And we've talked for much of the season about the brilliance of uh, Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans at the Colts and, and Texans respectively. And here they are. 
two teams that were not expected to do much, particularly the Texans. Uh, and of course, yeah. the, the Colts since Anthony Richardson went down. Here they are on the verge, both of them, of of making the playoffs. And they could still win the division as well, right? If the Jags drop uh, their game against the Titans, so Rabel and Co can play spoiler there, and they love to do that, of course, against their their divisional foe, then one of the, uh, one of the Texans and the Colts could make the playoffs and the two square off in the final week in Indianapolis. So it's so intriguingly poised. Which way do you think it's going to shake out, Mike? If we're, we will be sitting on the show uh, this time next week talking about the, the wild card round. Yeah. Who's going to make the cut? Which way do you think it's going to go? To, to, be in, to be fair, I thought Indianapolis didn't play very well against the Raiders, but they managed to pull out a win. Right. Which is, and again at home, it was just kind of what you have to do. So I'm not, I'm not putting him down on that sense. And I think Houston um, were dominant against Tennessee. And yeah. you know, even even on the road, I like Houston in in this matchup. I just think their defense is is better. I mean, um, Indy still play a kind of control control the game and not let get away Minshew can still make big plays John Taylor was held in check pretty much by by mm. the Raiders and um you know that that's crucial to them but um I think I've made the case for D'Amico Ryan's right from the start of, of the season but this was one of those cases of a team pretty much starting over from scratch and it's the second time Casario has done that in, in Houston and this time, you know, I think because of the coaching more than anything else, it worked. Um, they've coached guys and, you know, their draft has been spectacular, but they've coached those guys into those roles and they've, they've used what, what they've had. And, and defensively, D'Amico's a great, you know, a great defensive mind. Um, and, uh, you know, they dominated Tennessee by, with sacks, basically. The touchdown, the Rankins touchdown. Uh, came off, you know, a strip sack, and, mm. and he picked it up and rumbled down. You know, Iron Mike's <laughs> favorite plays. Um, did play. you know this? This week was the first time in NFL history that there had been four scoring plays of over ninety yards in one week. Wow, really? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize it was the first time ever the NFL put out a. You know, you had the 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 C the CD Lamb ninety two yard touchdown pass. Yeah. I think it was. Um, you had the um, um, kickoff return by Jalen Rager for the Patriots. Yep. Um, you had the punt return by Gunnar Olszewski for the Giants, yeah, the ex-Patriot. Yeah, yeah. ex and you had the um, pick six by Sidney Brown, which was yeah. eight yards. What a play that was. Um, and there was some brilliant, we talked about some, some brilliant catches from receivers, but some really just the dexterity on some of the picks as well from some big guys as well on some of the picks this week, I thought was, was understated. There was some superb defensive plays this, this week. The, um, the Jags. Who was it who jumps up, jumped up twice and deflected. The double, like Bill the Russell double jump. Blocking a shot, yeah, <laughs> on the second, on the second jump. Um, the Jags. Touchdowns for Julio. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. Julio Jones back in business. Loving seeing that as well. The, the Jags. So obviously the Texans Colts is a play-in game, right? Whoever wins that will get a wild card. But like I said, they could still get the division if the Jags drop it. Where are you on the Jags? Lawrence injuries, of course, have have, have had a big factor in this, but they feel like they're a team that are stumbling into the playoffs more more than anything else. Can they can they get anything going? Do you think Jacksonville, or do you think they're going to be one and done, even if they take the division? Hmm. I think they're going to be one and done because I think their defense is backslid since mid-season they were playing really good well defensively and, and i think that's been and that's been harder because the offense hasn't produced as much um uh, with the doug peterson kind of defense and this would be a good segue into one of the passing out mailbag questions look at you the king about, of passing out mailbag guy mike uh, about the niners and about trey lance yeah. yeah, well, I was gonna end. I was gonna end on a few. Let's let's get into that. I will wrap the show up with a few from the mailbag, and then you got remember, Mike. You got to pick your fave as well. So we have got to do that. Yeah. Uh, this is you're referring to the question from Matt G. Hey, Matt, is there another team other than the 49ers who have bet the house on a first round quarterback, Trey Lance? Of course, he's referring to, and that quarterback has been a bust, but they've recovered so quickly to become the best team in the conference. Great question. Yeah, I mean. The the problem with it is the best team in the conference bit. Um, and someone else answered that um, online, pointing out Carson Wentz 
Mm. Now, Wentz wasn't a bust. No. He was injured. And then Nick Foles came in. Yeah. And took them the rest of the way to the and Super Bowl. he was an MVP fool before he got. Yeah. yeah. Wentz was never the same guy after the injury. Yeah. You know, for, what, for whatever reason. Um, the same kind of applies to Drew Bledsoe. And yep. Tom Brady. Bledsoe yep. was by no means a, bu- a bust, but when he got hurt, Brady came in, and, and the rest was was history. What about Romo I and? Think... Um, I know they didn't win the championship, but Romo and Prescott. I guess there's a kind of para that's sort of parallel there, where Romo well, goes Prescott... down. No, it what well, did was it that the way it happened? It was Prescott draft? Um, no, the Pre- Seahawks and Russell Wilson. But Brady wasn't a but Brady wasn't a high draft pick, so. No, Brady was a fifth. Yeah. Uh, but Bledsoe was second guy overall. If I, yeah, if yeah. I remember right. Of course, Romo um, was undrafted, wasn't he? What Romo, Romo was undrafted. Sorry, I, forgot. Um, I, I was thinking in my head, Romo Seattle was undrafted. When, when Seattle went to Russ Wilson as a rookie, they didn't have a high-drafted quarterback. Who did he replace? Um, didn't they do, do a Matt Flynn deal? And then they – was that right? They, 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 they offered traded for Flynn. Matt Flynn at the same time. Yeah, the, right. I'm trying to think of who the starter was. Um, Tavares. Was it yeah, maybe. Robinson? Yeah, yeah, it um, may be. And I think Wilson was the incumbent. Third was, yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I think it's an, it's a, it's an unusual situation to be. And and I think part of it is, and as people would say, criticizing Purdy, that, you know, you're, you've got a great system in place. But, you know, Nick Mullins couldn't run that system to the way, you know, to the level Trey Lance didn't. Garoppolo arguably did. Yeah. Um, but but you know, but Pur- Purdy, I think, is playing better at a better level now than Garoppolo. Yeah, right. Um was. Um, and they all trust him also, more. Remember that that Super Bowl run they had, the Garoppolo Super Bowl run. Yeah. They they were particularly in the playoffs, they weren't backing him, were they? It, it, they feel it feels like the Shanahan has and maybe it's because of what's around it, but more faith in in Purdy than he than maybe. He um, you know, I I thought I and I'll I always go back to it. I thought they were they were jobbed a bit in that Super Bowl loss to Kansas City, um, not least because Garoppolo suffered a helmet to helmet hit that was yeah not right, and and I and I don't think for the rest of the game was throwing the ball as well. Mm. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there now. Um, if he could have stayed healthy, it would have been a different question. That's, yeah. that, that's Jimmy's. Um, Puka can break the rookie record for receiving if he gets 18, is it 18 yards? 28 yards in receiving. Um, and the old record was held by no one would ever get this, and I didn't get it either. Bill Groman of the Houston Oilers in 1960, the the first year of the AFL. So it's not even really an NFL record. It goes back to the first year of the old AFL. Nice. But, um, uh, Puka uh, Nakura and Sally, and of course it is Rams 49ers in the in the final week of the season. Uh all right, you mentioned Russell Wilson. Let's let's end on that uh, on him and a question from Ed Helsinki because the uh Wilson news broke after you and I had recorded our show last week, Mike. So this of course is is uh, I'm sure everyone is up to speed uh at home on it, but it, there's no more Russell Wilson in Denver. It's bye-bye bye-bye Russ. There are two parts to it. I'll ask Ed Helsinki's question first, Ed's question. Uh, thanks for this, Ed. Besides Russell Wilson, which other Broncos face the possibility of being run out of Denver by Sean Payton? So do you think it will be whole-scale change? Jerry Judy's a player, of course, that is flattered to deceive. They might deal him. I mean, what do you think is going to happen in the offseason in Denver? Well, remember, they were talking about that at the beginning of the season. You know, Judy, and yeah. in the offseason, everyone was saying they're going to get rid of Jerry Judy. Mm. You know, or, and, and it's not – it's being misunderstood, uh, Peyton's attitude toward Russell Wilson is not that he can't play. It's that he's not worth the money he's being paid. Pay, Russell Wilson will will inhibit Peyton's ability to remake the Broncos the way he wants them. Because of the money, just because of the money, or because of the system well, that Peyton was. I don't through. know. I don't know how much the off, you know, the the um, character bit. You know, because we we've heard all the stories. Russell Wilson's teammates don't really like him. He doesn't really yeah. associate with them. He's not really a, a leader and all. And I'm not sure that that's as important as simply the money. But um, what about the system, though, Mike? As well, the offensive philosophy, and and can Wilson do what Peyton wants? Well, to- that's why I think that's why he, because he had the big contract, Peyton was willing to give it a go. And Wilson, I thought, was most successful in games where he played that kind of more controlled 
quicker passing kind of Peyton. And it's an exaggeration, a simplification. But, it, you know, Wilson's game has always been deep throwing and, and keeping plays alive and, and played best on run, run first teams um, in Seattle. And I don't think that Peyton thought that the the merging of, the, of what he wanted and what Wilson was providing was enough. And, you know, he said before he even did this, he said, you know, um, that he thought Stidham was good and, you know, they need to give him a chance and stuff. I don't think Stidham's their quarterback going forward, but, you know, they, they won, they won a game um, with him in, in a situation where he basically did pretty much what they wanted him to do, which is simply not give the game away, you know, and, and keep, keep control. And what was it? 16 9 against the Chargers. So that, you know, that doesn't convince anybody you're an NFL number one quarterback by any means. But but I think Peyton made the point that that was what he needed and what he wasn't getting, mm. I think, from, from Russell Wilson. So um, but like I said, this is it's it's purely a it's a business, you know. And I think Dan Orlovsky was on. I saw him saying, You don't do this to Russell Wilson. You know, it sounded like the Sopranos, you know. He's a main <laughs> man. You don't do that to a main man. Was the agent in but, the background, as he was saying. Yeah, but you know, but it's not it's not a celebration. It's a it's a business, you know. Yeah. Russ did it to Denver, you know, after the trade. He Denver had give him an extension on the contract. And that's what the whole problem is. If he was still playing on a Seattle contract, they'd be probably be okay. Mm. Or, or they could, you know, um, get, does Russ get a starting, uh, does Russ get a starting gig next year? I think it depends on the contract. Mm. I think yes. But, you know, to me, to me, if as a general manager, I would give Russell Wilson a Geno Smith kind of contract or a Daniel Jones kind of contract. You know, one not for 45 million, 40 somewhere in the between 20 and 30. Yeah. You know, um, and it'll take that. I think you take that with with an out, you know, with with a kind of prove it out, you know, second year option. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Cause I think that's why I think Locke Locke has it out after this year. And I think Jones's was one more year, but you know, a kind of you'd call it team friendly, but basically a prove it contract. You know, yeah. you got enough money in the bank. You know, you want to start. And Russ is what thirty five now. Um, yeah, it must so be. So it's not, and he's taken a lot of hits. Yeah, when yeah, he was yeah. in Seattle, um, he played hurt a lot. Um, you know, there's no question about his his willingness to play. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think he plays somewhere, but I think he's I think it's going to be on a a different contract. Um, yeah, for, for sure. Uh, I'd be fascinating to see where he lands. I mean, back in Seattle would be my my choice. <laughs> would be, that would be really interesting. Right. And then, you know, they brought back Bobby Wagner, for example. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everything's forgiven after um, one year. Yeah, hey, he his... knows that maybe Richard Sherman will come out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have got one more for you. One for the road, Mike. A quickie, Please right? Do. Paul Thomas. Hey, Paul. If Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco played Flacco! incredibly in the playoffs. Got to the Super Bowl with the Browns. Hey, I think it's I think it's not the craziest idea that might happen. And had an MVP performance in the Super Bowl. So that would be a second ring, of course. Would that be enough for him to garner Hall of Fame consideration? Well, definitely consideration. You don't need to get him into the me to answer that. You know what my answer is going to be to that. You're going to say no, but I'm going to say yes. Of course. <laughs> because, of course but the I say key, no to Eli Manning. The key exactly. Oh, we're not, we're not going to gang, we're not going to get into They're very the comparable Manning, situations, but, you know. Oh, okay, Joe, was Joe Flacco ever an elite quarterback? No. Was he like an elite quarterback? The clue is in Paul's no. question. The clue is in Paul's question. It's not if Flacco wins another ring just kind of because of him he does okay. If he plays incredibly in the playoffs, is MVP in the Super Bowl. That's the difference, right? Forget the... Yeah, the quarterback gets MVP in the Super Bowl you know, unless he's all, like Tom Brady's already won one. They got to find somebody already else. Or, or he throws for like 44 yeah. yards or somehow. No. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. He like Eli won two Super Bowls. Peyton won two what Super What did they Bowls. both do in their runs to the Super Bowl? Is the key I'm we're not gonna get into the bloody Eli Manning no. conversation. Oh, yeah. All right. Short so, short answer to that is no. no. And like, we won't go. Yes, we can do is my it next answer, James. week. We can do it next week or even the first week of the I mean, playoffs. Boy, but um, there was a question which we should hold. Okay. Um about the Hall of Fame finalists. Oh yes, well yeah, good shout. We'll do that next week. So That's we can a good one. we can hold we can we, hold that for next week. We'll let Seb know to roll that one over. All right. So bearing in mind uh that is getting rolled over. And Mike, which is your passion question of the week? Um, I think 
I think for quality thought, I think the Brad Allen forest yeah, and the trees yeah, question I, kind, I agree with kind, that. Of, kind of trumps it. There were some great questions. I mean, you know, really the kinds you love to think about and then answer. Um, and there were there were three Brad Allen Detroit questions, and they were all that. But that was the cleverest one. I like that. So that's political think. football. Uh, so congratulations to you, political football. Uh, we will be in touch. Seb and the crew will be in touch. To sort out your voucher, enjoy that. Spend it wisely. Um, political football is all I'll say on that one. And uh, and I echo what Iron Mike said. Really appreciate all of those questions. There's some brilliant ones. Keep those rolling in, quite frankly, because as we announced a couple of weeks back, and as I talked about on the show last week, the nomination for Best NFL Show and the Sports Podcast Awards, that is a team effort, a collective effort. There would be no show without you guys. We'd be, we'd be, would there be, Iron Mike, a podcast if we're recording it and there's no one there to hear it? <laughs> Does it make a sound? You know where I'm going with that. But yeah, it, I mean, if I stood, you know, it's not the same as my standing on the front porch of my house and screaming, <laughs> screaming, of course, Joe Flacco is not going to get in the Hall of Fame. And my neighbors all banging pots together. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. If that's the kind of footage we need to put on our YouTube channel, I think. Is on Mike on his you board. know what footage we need on your YouTube channel is I put up today on the, the NC Show mm. uh, account on Twitter. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Um, the the words to um, the the NC Show theme tune, which goes to the tune of Hi-Ho, Hi-Ho. Come on, lead lead us out with that, Iron words. Mike. Lead us out with that. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, we should we need to have four people singing it, but it's oh, we're all gonna record it. I hope okay. it's off to pod we go. I'm that I'm Ben, I'm Iron Mike, I'm old pop up Oh god. That's the it kind of works. footage you can expect if you go over to the NC show on YouTube, subscribe. Plenty of you have already done that. If you haven't, go get you involved. Know, this would be the next Super like Bowl shuffle video. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure it would it would be a, a very go down in a very similar similar capacity to that i'm not here to cause no trouble i'm just here to do the super bowl shovel <laughs> if you haven't seen that just go look that up as well seek that out hey maybe we'd like to put that on a youtube channel maybe we are. We'll, we'll certainly tweet it out Probably. as well at the nc show that's how you get in touch with us if you want to get questions in for the mailbag just fire them in so we'll find them we'll add them to the mix and we will do our very best to get into them brilliant stuff iron mike as always wouldn't expect anything Joe flacco is balling this week Joe. Flacco at Carlson Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter, on X, and of course, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE for his deep dive stylings and profile. See you next week, bud. Sports Social Podcast Network.